Woke up quick at about noon. Hope you're doing well. Welcome into the Thursday, April 23rd edition of the podcast, the draft day edition of the podcast here with Damian Barling, presented as always by Vibe Health Bar, where you can find a link here in the description of this podcast that'll let you know how you can help out our local healthcare workers at a variety of hospitals. Uh, your purchases through Vibe Health Bar, whether it's their superfood smoothies, acai bowls, whether it's their organic cold pressed juices or their lunch packs, all of that stuff uh, will go to help our local healthcare workers. So again, check the description uh, in this podcast. You'll see the link there to the GoFundMe page, uh, as well as a link to uh, a number of our other uh, advertisers, including Sky Natural CBD, where you use promo code in the game and get up to 50% off your order. And that's 5-0, off your orders. We mentioned it's draft day. We'll jump into that here uh, in just a little bit. All sorts of new rumors swirling around this morning, but let's start with... I guess the Red Sox were punished yesterday or something. The Red Sox got something yesterday. I don't know that it's necessarily a punishment, but here's what we found out four months after Major League Baseball announced it would investigate the 2018, the World Series champion 2018 Boston Red Sox for improperly using the replay room to steal signs. We got... Uh, the investigation uh, complete yesterday, and here are the punishments. A loss of a 2020 second-round pick, a ban of their replay operator, and a ban of Alex Cora, who, by the way, remember, Alex Cora is not employed. He's not banned for a season. He's banned through the 2020 season, and that includes the playoffs. So to give you some context here, and by the way, he's not even banned, allegedly, allegedly, he's not banned for what he did with the Boston Red Sox because apparently this investigation turned up very little. Uh, It's certainly, according to the reports, it turned up a fraction of what the Houston Astros uh, investigation turned up. But, for context purposes, Alex Cora is being suspended through all of the regular season and, and all of the postseason, all of the 2020 regular season and the 2020 postseason. That's the season that's happening right now. Or probably more accurately put, that's the season that's not happening right now. Also, it's worth pointing this out. Alex Cora doesn't have a job. So Alex Cora hasn't been suspended for a year like, okay, when he is employed again, if he gets employed again, he's going to be suspended for a year. No, he is suspended for this year, a year in which no baseball is happening, a year in which he doesn't have a job. So he's, and and I, and I loved yesterday. It was so great when this story came out because when it says, oh, Major League Baseball announced Red Sox punishments, and I'm like looking at the headline just and I'm reading it like, well, why didn't they put the punishments here? Like, I don't. It's it shows the draft pick. It shows the. Re- I was like, this is where's the punishment? And you, I'm waiting like Boston's the, the Boston's losing the Red Sox. Like I was waiting for something dramatic. It just wasn't there, right? That you the 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 uh, the drama that was there because <laughs> in hindsight, it sure makes the Houston Astros punishment look a lot stronger. Because I remember when the when the Astros punishment came out, everyone was like, "Wow, 
look at this boy, Rob Manfred dropped the hammer. And then you look like a little further into it. And it's like, wait a minute. No, he didn't like this. This team stole a championship. And, and I guess that's where we're, you know, what we're looking at here with the Boston Red Sox is major league baseball is saying that they were able to conclude through their investigation that the major, that the Red Sox did not cheat, uh, in the postseason. uh, that, so kind of the, the the timeline of events here is you go back to 2017 when the Red Sox were fined for using technology to improper uh, to uh, uh, improperly steal uh, opponent signs, and I think the Yankees were fined in that same cluster of time as well. Uh, the following March, this was March of 2018. That's when Major League Baseball sent out that three page memo about electronic equipment, game feeds, and all of that stuff in the club room. Then the 2018 postseason comes around and Major League Baseball implements monitors in each replay room to make sure uh, that rules are being followed. Uh, This was adopted for the 2019 regular season. Uh, Major League Baseball currently employs uh, more than 100 monitors. So now you go to January 2020, that's when the story was published uh, about the Red Sox using the replay room improperly to steal signs during the 2018 season, and that's when the investigation begun. It was 2014, uh, or 2014, sorry. It was January 14 when Alex Cora stepped down. And then Rob Manfred uh, announced the investigation was finished. He did that a couple of nights ago on, on the Scott Van Pelt show, and then we just gave you what the... Uh, um, we just gave you what the what the punishments were: the loss of a 2020 second round pick, the ban of their replay operator, and the ban of Alex Cora, who is currently not the Red Sox coach or Red Sox manager, who is currently unemployed and is currently banned for a season that is not happening. I, you know, I we talked about the when the when the Astros punishment came down, what the effect would be on the Red Sox again and I think one of the great one of the great losses of this Major League Baseball season is not the visceral hate that would have been spewed out towards the Houston Astros in every single ballpark that they went to that would have been it would have been a story every single night the Houston Astros playing their first game in Dot, 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 dot. What was their reaction to them? Oh, imagine the Houston Astros played in Los Angeles. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, the, it would have been, it would have been a, it would have been a legit ongoing storyline through the entire 160 some odd game regular season. I don't often feel like we're robbed out of things when we miss Major League Baseball, but we were absolutely robbed out of that. Those would have been sports center moments night after night after night. Those would have been, you know, Bleacher Report moments, House of Highlights moments, night after night after night. But I remember when the Houston Astros punishment came out, I was like, gosh. So there's there's this weird thing where, you know, baseball feels like they punish the Astros like firmly, the swift hammer of justice, if you will. And then it's like more came out about what, what Major League Baseball was able to find out through the investigation, the more it was like, wait a minute. That's all they got? This punishment isn't nearly swift enough or strict enough. And then we, you know, brought up the line, okay, well, what does this mean for the Red Sox? Because if they see the reaction 
and you know that they do, they being Major League Baseball, they see the reaction that people are having to the Houston Astros punishment. How is that going to affect what they do with Major League, uh, what they do with the Boston Red Sox? And I guess I'll, you know, I guess you got to give them credit in some senses than that they clearly weren't swayed. If the investigation didn't turn up the ability to punish them as uh, strongly as they punished, you know, there's no, you know, it, it, there's a couple of notes here in the various things that I was reading. Uh, there was, there wasn't nearly as much, you know, uh, it was kind of dubbed in the, in the Houston Astros investigation. There wasn't nearly as much like social media evidence. You know, people were, you know, fans of the Dodgers, fans of major league baseball teams, people who just hate the Astros or people who wanted answers. They were all over social media, finding video clips of games where you hear the, the trash cans banging in the background. Like there was, just like a massive amount of that. It was literally with the Houston Astros. It was literally the people versus the Houston Astros. Like if this case were to be presented in court, that would be the case. The people literally all of them versus the Houston Astros, because every day for what felt like two and a half weeks a video, some sort of video or some sort of audio was coming out about a Houston Astros game where you hear trash cans banging in the background or you see oh look at where this light flash or look at where this happened or look at when he looked over to the dugout like just all sorts of stuff it's like okay and now look you know looking back on it and I, I mean we'll put the, we'll put the Red Sox thing to rest I mean if there's you know according to the report Red Sox players uh, would enter the replay room during the regular season to learn the sign sequence opponents were using uh, replay staffs travel with the team, so this could have also worked on the road. Uh, we mentioned that it was the 2018 postseason that Major League Baseball instituted uh, in-person monitors where, where Major League Baseball was in charge of the replay monitor rather than a team employee. So that's not as fun as like listening for you know, trash cans banging against the dugout or whatever variety of silliness was happening uh, with the Houston Astros, but that that reaction, like in 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 hindsight, you look back at it and you go, "Gosh, it doesn't really feel like that Houston Astros punishment was enough." And then now, the little that we seem to have gotten out of this Red Sox investigation, it actually makes the Houston Astros one look worse. It, it meaning it makes the punishment. Look worse, like it should have been stricter. And I don't know what it should have been. I, I can barely remember what it was. Like I remember a band of players, that phony ass written apology. Uh, I remember all all of that nonsense. But I also really remember people going, "Oh, this 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 is really bad, and this isn't nearly strict enough." But at least it's over. I had forgotten about it. I was I remember thinking about it as we were inching closer and closer to the start of Major League Baseball like while we were in training camp and then of course you know March 11th or March 13th like the world came to an end and then it was I I, I honestly I don't think I've thought thought about it again other than the time that Rob Manfred mentioned it on um on uh Scott Van Pelt which was that was that, that I mean that was almost a month ago that was a couple of weeks after, you know, that's he was answering more questions about the Major League Baseball shutdown and, you know, would they have a season and what are they doing to to, you know, what what kind kind of what are their contingency plans? What are they working on? 
I had completely forgot about the Red Sox. He, you know, SVP brought it up kind of like as a, hey, where are we at with the Red Sox investigation? Always you know, like, oh, it's complete. We're just, you know, we're putting it out into written form. We're also kind of navigating all of these other aspects, including not having a season right now. But yeah, it's complete. We're going to announce the punishment soon. Interview ended. I never, again, never thought about it again. Because there's no baseball. Like, they're not there. Like, the Red Sox aren't there. So, there are your punishments. Not, 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 nearly as, uh, not nearly as salacious as what we got from the Houston Astros. But it's, it does beg the question, are the other teams in Major League Baseball not cheating or, or not using... Uh, electronics to still replay signs. In other words, are the other teams in Major League Baseball following the rules that were sent out by Major League Baseball in that memo back in 2018? Or are they better at cheating? That's kind of how I feel about steroid users. Like, I don't, I don't feel that Major League Baseball has cleaned itself up. I don't feel like Major League Baseball is uh, free, if you will, of steroid users. I feel like they're smarter at it. Steroid users in Major League Baseball are smarter. I think I think steroids themselves, like the actual drug, I think is smarter. Steroids are smarter than they used to be. Like we we think of steroids so often, and I know I've said this before, but you 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 think of you know nineteen eighty, you know you you think about the old WWF steroid trial where you have wrestlers talking about sticking needles as. I oh I had to stick a needle in my butt to get stronger. All of this stuff, or you think back to the movie the the program with the you know the 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 crazy uh, I don't remember if he was a linebacker or what he was, but the crazy dude who was taking steroids. Like we think about like you know putting the needle in the thigh. Dude, that's not what steroids are anymore. They're just smart steroids, designer steroids. You you know you put a remember remember those old um. I don't even know if they still exist. They probably do. Remember those like film thin strips that you'd put on your tongue to freshen your breath? Like, and it would just, it would just dissolve. Remember those? Like there's, there's an HGH product that does that. Then of course you've got the, the creams that, that were made popular by, by Victor Conti and Barry Bonds. Allegedly you have those, um, you don't have you don't have the, the the needles aren't a thing anymore. This is, they're not. And these versions of steroids that people are taking are smarter. I don't know necessarily that the guy like like look at the NFL. Remember when it was a big deal that the NFL implemented an HGH test? It's like whoa, this is a game changer because. HGH, I think the only way that you can, I think the only way you could test for HGH is through blood. And so that had to be agreed upon by a number of people, a number, not a number of people, a number of, you know, entities like players unions and so on and so forth. And I think one player has been suspended in NFL over HGH. And I swear I might be wrong, but I think it was a kicker. Like nobody gets, you really think, like really, really think no one in the NFL is using HGH. Or are you more inclined to think everyone in the NFL is using HGH? Dude's never been, you know, just like Barry Bonds, I could say the same thing about Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds has never got caught using steroids. 
Neither has a certain player on the New York Yankees. But, man, if you told me that that dude was on HGH, I'd be like, yeah, dude looks like a professional wrestler. I'm not going to say his name because that uh, would be slanderous. It's terrible. And the millions and millions of people who are listening to this podcast, obviously, I'd get in big trouble. That was heavy sarcasm. You know who I'm talking about. Like, you can you look at certain people and, hey, if they built that look in the gym, dude, that's awesome. But you also, you start to look at an injury history and you go, oh, okay. Anytime you see, you know, guys that you can laugh at, you know, I just, I just, you know uh, the old WWE wrestler, Batista, actor now from um, Guardians of the Galaxy. A dude had like the same injuries over and over again. He had like bicep tears and tricep tears. And like like small muscle, te- and when I say small muscles, I mean like in 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 like the the actual size of the muscle in the body, like these little muscles, like triceps, biceps, they'd constantly tear. Those types of muscle tears are very very closely aligned with injuries that steroid users get. Not accusing anybody of anything, just saying you kind of connect the dots and you look around and you look at some of the injuries. Like, you're not talking about torn ACLs. You're not talking about popped Achilles. You're not talking about things like that. In baseball, of course, it's different because you have a, there's obviously significantly more value in your 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 triceps and your biceps when you're swinging the ball versus in, in other sports when they're just kind of like, they're more functional muscles than they are anything else. They're, they're, meaning they're more towards the function of something else. The function of, you know, for an offensive lineman, for example. That push motion. And you're pushing that defensive lineman off you. But I just think that we look at this and go, okay, so we know the Red Sox got caught. We know the Astros got caught. Is everybody else following the rules or are they just smarter? I mean, these dudes were banging trash cans, for goodness sakes. That's, oh, I hate that we were robbed of the Astros being the villains. We've got to find some way to make sure that whenever baseball comes back, even if it's not this season, that we make sure we remind everybody that the Houston Astros are villains uh, and they need to be treated as such. We were talking about the NFL there for a heartbeat. Oh, you know, I know we were talking about steroids and so on and so forth. But I wanted to go back to something we were talking about with Rob Gronkowski yesterday because I found some of the... I had told you I was... Again, I said it yesterday. I'll say today. He wants to play football. Good for him, man. Go play football. I just... I I couldn't help but go back to that, that moment where he was essentially sobbing, talking about what football has taken away from him. I found this article on the big lead that grabbed some of the clips through his various media tours following uh, his retirement and some of the things that he said. He said this to NBC News. He's being Rob Gronkowski said this to NBC News. No lie. I felt my head. I used to have liquid. It used to be thick like. My head used to be thicker, like a centimeter of liquid in some spots, and you'd feel it. I'd be like, what the heck? You could put indents in my head and now finally I'm getting the right treatments and doing the right things I was walking around my mood swings were totally up and down I was aware of what was going on uh, with my body and my mind 
What does that sound like to you, by the way? End quote. What does that sound like to you, by the way? I was walking around. My mood swings were totally up and down. Sound like anything? Okay, we'll get to that in a second. Boston Herald. Uh, I go to the after party. I sit down. I'm just chilling the rest of the night until 3 a.m. I try to go to bed. I slept for like five minutes that night. I couldn't even think. I was in tears in my bed after a Super Bowl victory. It didn't make that much sense to me. And then for four weeks, I couldn't even sleep for more than 20 minutes a night after that Super Bowl win. I was like, dang, this sucks. It didn't even feel good. While announcing a uh, brand partnership, this was the one I was referring to yesterday. This was when he was doing that, that thing with the, with the CBD company. I want to be clear to my fans. I needed to recover. I was not in a good place. Football was bringing me down, and I didn't like it. I was losing that joy in life. And then here is the ultimate kicker to CBS. And this is such a dangerous line of thinking, but this is what he told CBS. I truly believe that any injury you receive is fixable. I went through it. I had nine surgeries. Probably had like 20 concussions in my life. No lie. I remember five blackout ones, end quote. It sounds to me like, because you take all of those, you take all of those quotes and you, you, you pick certain pieces of them, right? You pick apart like the, the liquid in his head. Uh, you pick apart the, where he's talking about walking around with mood swings. Uh, you, you take the part uh, from the other quote to the Boston Herald about him only being able to sleep five to 20 minutes a night. Rob Gronkowski, at 30 years old right now, is laying out symptom after symptom after symptom of CTE. And then you go back to this last line. And this last line was not after his return to the NFL. This was when he was still retired. I truly believe that any injury that you receive is fixable. I think Gronk thinks CTE is an injury. I, now, I don't know. I've never interviewed him. I've never talked to him. I've never had the opportunity to sit down with him. But isn't that what that sounds like? Like he's laying out symptoms for CTE, all of which he has. Every symptom he has, he's laying one after the other after the other. And then he ends with that line saying, I truly believe that any injury you receive is fixable. And now with him coming back, it's not just the... It's not just the joy of playing with Tom Brady. He could have played with Tom Brady last year. Now you could pick apart and say, well, he just didn't want to play for Bill Belichick. And there's probably a lot of meat to that bone right there. I won't, I won't deny that at all. But when you add for context all of the other things he said during his retirement, like I really think Gronk knows he has CTE and thinks he might have fixed it. I think that's a hell of a question to ask him whenever he does his first media appearance. Now, I know he did something yesterday. I don't really know the context of it. I saw a video. I didn't. I don't know if that was a sit-down interview or if he was just hosting some sort of... I, I don't know what that was, but I, 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 I know he was doing, you know, something quarantine style, you know, with like the Zoom cameras and all of that or the, the Zoom uh, meetings. Anybody having a bigger year than Zoom, by the way? How many people ever used Zoom before last month? Now, virtually everybody uses it. But I just found this fascinating. I had come across this article and uh, some of these different quotes here. I wanted to make sure uh, to share with you as to why I wasn't. Again, if this is what he wants. I never want, whether it's Calvin Johnson, 
whether it was Rob Gronkowski or, or Patrick Willis or, or uh, Tony Romo or any player that retires, even at a relatively young age, uh, particularly those who retire before the age of 30, I never, ever, ever want them to come back. Cam Newton's 30. I know Cam really wants to play football right now. I hate the way that Cam's career is gone, but if he said, uh, if, if this weekend doesn't line up with the things that he wants to do professionally and he decides he doesn't want to play anymore, man, I'm all about it. I'm perfectly okay with that. I'm 100% okay with any player, no matter how much I love them, if they retire uh, before the age of 30. Patrick Mahomes retired at 29, man. I'd applaud him. My joy of watching football shouldn't outweigh their uh, uh, life longevity. Like, oh, you've got to go out there and you got to play till you're 40 and 42 and 43 like some of these quarterbacks are doing now. And Cam Newton is definitely not the quarterback to play till 40. Not the way that he plays. And we'll see. Like, I mean, I'm, I think that's one of the big stories headed into tonight's draft. It's not necessarily the player who's being drafted. It's where are the players, you know, the, the players that are being drafted, where are, where does that land some of these free agents that are out there? And, I, you know, I talk a lot about Cam, but it's not just Cam. Jameis is out there. Uh, Andy Dalton is out there. All I, I, there are reports from a Ohio television station that Joe Burrow's already been told. Again, you know, you, you got to decipher all of this nonsense on draft day. You know, Washington is saying uh, teams are trying to move up to take number two. Now, Detroit's saying teams are trying to move up to take number three. We've read that the Dolphins are trying to trade up so they can have the three and the five. Uh, they have a couple of other first-round picks, by the way. We read that the 49ers are actually trying to trade back a little bit, trade back in the sense that they have two first-round picks, but nothing in the second. Uh, I can't remember if they had one in the third. I don't think they have anything in the fourth or the fifth. They just want more bodies. They want more players. Uh, we've read that. We've read that the pa- uh, Patriots might move up uh, if the scenario presents itself where they can land a player that they want. And the question... The biggest question of all of this is, well, who is the player that they would want? Uh, who is the player that would uh, cause you to get a jump? I mentioned the Bengals. There were rumors that the Bengals are actually looking at an offensive lineman, and there's a couple of them there uh, near the top of the draft. There's there's probably about three or four offensive linemen that are going to go in the top ten. There were reports yesterday that the Dolphins are looking at it, it, it at their number five being one of those offensive linemen. Remember, they have a number 18. Can they use that 18? And I think they have a 26 also. They do have a 26 that they got from the Texans. Could they package those two picks in this draft to move back into the top 10 and get the quarterback that they're looking for? And then that goes back to the question that we've been talking about. Who is the quarterback that they're looking for? Is it Herbert? Or is it Tua? If the Chargers get wind that the Dolphins are going with a quarterback, do they try to get above them? Because we got to believe that the Chargers are going with the quarterback. I thought for sure the Chargers were going to sign Cam Newton. But they want their quarterback of the future here coming from the draft. Okay? I saw Justin Herbert play a couple of times. Like, all right. You know, certainly I didn't see him play nearly as many times as I saw Tua play. Hell, I might have even saw Jordan Love play more. 
you just start hearing certain players' names and you try to, you know, pay attention to the games. I like getting I like watching a player during a game more than a highlight. Or more and when I say a highlight, I mean like a game highlight. Because I used to say this about Christian McCaffrey, and it's the reason Christian McCaffrey didn't win the Heisman Trophy. Because voters on the East Coast didn't watch Stanford football. And it is, it's it 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 is an absolute um it's probably the same reason Andrew Luck didn't win the Heisman Trophy, but particularly for for Christian McCaffrey, watching Stanford as much as I did that year with like Christian McCaffrey didn't just have big plays. He had game-changing plays. Like literal game-changing plays. Like he was so impactful. The his his runs, his scores, his catches, like every time he touched the ball, he did it at an impactful time that resulted in Stanford winning. And you can't glean that from a highlight. You can't glean that from even not even a Christian McCaffrey highlight. You can't glean that from a, 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 a Stanford game highlight because you're not watching the game and you're not in that moment. And you're not in that. You, you don't have that feel like, wow, this Stanford really needs to do something here. It's third and 17 and. You know, they just gave up 10 straight points. They've got to do something here. And then Christian McCaffrey rips off a 63-yard run. You can't get that in the context of the highlight. You can't see how the game shifted after that. And I watched that with Christian McCaffrey all year. Another player that we I watched it with, we all watched it with, was Deshaun Watson. We saw Deshaun Watson have the most impactful plays at the most impactful moments possible. There were still questions about what type of quarterback he'd be in the NFL. Like, man, you guys aren't watching. You guys aren't paying attention. You could tell who watches games and who watches highlights. You can see who goes on to these various, you know, applications. There's, there's, uh, you know, uh, with basketball, they've got second spectrum. There's apps. There, there, there there's uh, websites called Synergy where you could pull up. Deshaun Watson highlights. You could pull up Deshaun Watson in the pocket. You could like you can search very specific stuff. I know a lot of people who use it uh, really close, like with basketball. Like you could pull up, uh, for example, De'Aaron Fox penetrating. Pull and then and you, you could pull up every play of De'Aaron Fox driving to the basket in the 2019-2020 season. Like that's how some of these programs work, and you can tell who leading into drafts or leading into voting, Heisman Trophy, for example, who watches that stuff versus, you know, those East Coast guys who stayed up till 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning to watch Christian McCaffrey actually play, or who DVR'd it the next day and watched the game in its entirety and watched the impact. How anyone thought Deshaun Watson wouldn't translate is still mind-boggling to me. We saw him perform at the highest level possible regularly, and he still didn't get his due. And that might be part of, you know, everybody is framing this as, or not everybody, but people who are talking about Tua Tonga-Vailoa, they're phrasing his potential stock drop as, well, they're concerned about his injuries. You know, he's been injured a lot. He's, got, he's had a wrist injury at Alabama. He had the, the ankle injuries. He had the, the hip injuries. Tua Tonga-Vailoa at Alabama wins the last game he plays. This isn't a conversation. We're not having it. 
hip jacked up and all. We're just, we're not having the conversation. Because some media people will marry themselves to a certain player if they went to, for example, Alabama. No one's going to, think about this for a second. Andrew Luck was a surefire, can't miss NFL quarterback. He did not win the Heisman Trophy, nor did he win the Rookie of the Year. That's that's insane to me. And if listen, am I, he didn't he lose them both to the same guy? RG three won the Heisman Trophy, didn't he? And I know he won the Rookie of the Year. Like think about that. Robert Griffin the third beat out Andrew Luck in back-to-back years for the Heisman Trophy and for the the Rookie of the Year. You, RG3 was electrifying, no doubt about it, at Baylor. You think more people stayed awake to watch Baylor versus stayed awake to watch Stanford? Yeah, of course they did. That's how he wound up with the Heisman Trophy. Andrew Luck lost the Heisman Trophy for the same reason Christian McCaffrey lost the Heisman Trophy. People didn't stay up to watch him. It's one of the fascinating things about how players are analyzed in the draft. No one's saying a bad thing about Jerry Judy because he was with Alabama. Alabama wide receivers, offensive linemen, those guys are getting a lot of love because who did these scouts watch live more than anybody else? Tua Tonga-Valoa, prior to his hip injury, was the number one pick. Two has been the number one pick for, what, a couple of years now, right? But then he gets the hip injury. It's like, oh, okay, there's a little bit of concern. He comes back from that hip injury, wins the national title. We're not having this conversation. Teams, I think, are more concerned. You, you, get, you get less props when you win versus like the amount of like love that you get when you win a national title versus the amount of oh I don't know you get when you lose a national title it's clearly different and there's two examples right there in Deshaun Watson and Tua Tagovailoa I've seen Tua down I I saw a a, a draft recently in again mock drafts it's there to click on and to have fun with and to look at I've I've seen the the Dolphins going with one of the offensive linemen at five, and then somehow managing to get Tua at eighteen. Of course, there's there's reports this morning that the Falcons are trying to trade up. That the Falcons might be looking to try to get Chase Young at number two. And by the way, Chase Young is by far the best player in this draft. Chase Young is the best player in this draft, and it's not even close. Dude is going to be... Chase Young, the only thing that gives me pause on this is the team that he's playing for. I would say Chase Young would be an all-pro next year if he was playing for virtually every any other team. He has an uphill battle because of the team that he's playing for and because of how incompetently they are run. But... Chase Young is going to be an all-pro player, and I think he's going to be an all-pro player next year. Like He's that good. 
Like, how much do you think he learned? I mean, look how good Nick Bosa was last year. How much do you think he learned playing alongside Nick Bosa? How much do you think those two learned playing next to each other? Think about that. Chase Young and Nick Bosa were on the same defensive line. And, well, Nick Bosa, I guess, wasn't there very long, given what ultimately happened with him. But you, you get my point. Nothing else they practiced together. Uh, you're going to see a lot of uglies go. Uh, the offensive linemen probably see some uh, defensive guys. We're going to see more wide receivers, I think, than we've seen in recent memory. Uh, I don't know who the I don't know who the top running back is in this draft. I don't know if a running back gets drafted today. Uh, of course, Josh Jacobs went, and that worked out. That worked out very, very well. Uh, for the Oakland Raiders. But I, I don't know who the first run. I don't know if a running back gets drafted today. There's a kid out of LSU. I don't know that he goes today, though. And then, you know, the, the 49ers, again, they have two picks today. But do they, they're, again, reports, believe them for whatever they're worth. They want more picks tomorrow and the next day. They want more picks over the weekend. So are they going to ultimately get out of that 13? And if they do, or um, yeah, they're at 13. If they get out of that 13, is that a position where the Dolphins move back up feeling like they need to jump up and get two of there if they don't go with him at five and he's still around? Because Miami's biggest concern if they don't draft Tua at five is six. They've got to know that the Chargers are going with Justin Herbert. If number five comes around and Tua Tonga-Vailoa's name isn't announced, that means, I think, that that means Miami knows San Diego, or Los Angeles, excuse me, is taking Justin Herbert, or they're going in a non-quarterback direction, which I would be shocked by. They have to be going quarterback, because if there was a quarterback on the market that they wanted, they would have already signed him. They would have already signed Cam. They would have already signed Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston or, or whatever quarterback is out there that's available. And how many of those three guys, are any of those three guys signed by the end of today? Cam, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, are any of them signed by the end of today? And then I'll go back to, you know, the same question we brought up last week. And I, and I, I, I phrased it as Cam Newton. I'll phrase it as... Uh, the three quarterbacks that I just mentioned, are any of them signed by the weekend? Speaking of college football, um, there is no consensus on how long uh, the COVID-19 stay at home. I, I don't know how to phrase this, but uh, the, the current pandemic situation that we are in most, uh, there was a, a, a survey done by Stadium with 114 athletic directors that 75, uh, 75% of those athletic directors that were surveyed believe there's going to be some sort of delay in the college football season. College football, of course, due to start in August and in, in the NCAA was clear um, they can't go to school, you know, if campuses aren't reopened, then we're not, we can't ask these guys to go play their sport or these women to play their sport. We, we, we're just, we can't ask that. <laughs> Everybody already knows we're hypocrites. That would put us on a whole different level. 
Uh, according to Stadium, if the season is delayed, 61% of the athletic directors think it would start in October or November. 41% believe it would be a 12-game season, and 20% predict it would be an 8- or 9-game conference-only schedule. 14% of the athletic directors surveyed, 14% of the 114 athletic directors surveyed, uh, believed that the season will not start until after Christmas break, beginning in either late January or February. Well, that's fascinating. 99% of those 114 believe that a season will happen at some point during the school year. So, again, th- those are people's opinions, though. I-, I wanted to share it with you because we were talking about college football, but those are just opinions. Like, these guys don't know. These are athletic directors at schools. These aren't uh, scientists operating with, you know, top-level clearance information. Like These are just guys. They're probably hoping more than anything else that the season's going to happen. And you know what we really needed during this pandemic? Something to really just kind of soothe everybody's tension is we need another Tiger Phil matchup. And damn it, that's what we got. The match part two, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. And this time, to make it interesting, you know how in the sequels, you know how Fast and Furious was dying? It was a terrible franchise. It sucked. They were doing like Tokyo Drift and all of that crap. And you know what they did? Went and brought in The Rock. G.I. Joe was crapping itself away. You know what they did? They went and brought in The Rock. Well, that's what they're doing here. It's Tiger, it's Phil. And what are we doing? No, we're not bringing in The Rock. We're bringing in Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Yep. So apparently how this is going to work is uh, it's it, it's the match part two and it, the, the, the proceeds for all of this, instead of these guys walking around, you know, gambling, they, well, essentially all they were doing was gambling. They were betting with each other. Uh, it'll go to uh, COVID-19 relief. Uh, and the idea, at least right now, the working idea is, and the PGA has to sign off on this, and I don't believe that they have. Uh, and I think TNT has already signed off on it because they're going to air it live. Remember this? I think this aired on Bleacher Report or something like that. It aired on some sort of streaming service. Um, it's going to be at an, right now the, it's at an undisclosed location, no spectators, and it's set uh, for Memorial Day. I always said golf, it feels like golf could just, could go back to business. Like you're, you're pretty freaking isolated out there on the golf course. I mean, it's just you and your caddy. I mean, most, most of us, like we're not completely away from virtually everybody on the planet. Like we may be keeping our distance, but we might be hunkered down with one or two or, you know, three people in our close family. That's all that the caddy is. It's the caddy and the golfer. Like you get tested and that's easy. It, it, it feels like golf would be the easiest sport to, to uh, to just go back and have on TV. It feels like the PGA could start. Now, Now there's a lot that goes into you know, things like the Masters and the U.S. Open that I'm not giving them credit for. It's obviously a lot more than a golfer and a caddy. There's uh, you know tons of course workers, and there's obviously television people and all of that sort of things. But we could, seems like we could really pare that stuff down a little bit. Uh, and I think that's ultimately what they're going to do with a couple of uh, non-major tournaments is pare everything down and uh, 
have a pretty simplistic approach to the television product, which is ultimately what this will be. This will be a television product for Memorial Day. Um, but I, I, I thought it was fun. I was being sarcastic. Tiger and Phil, like I thought it was, it, it came across a bit silly the first time. Um, and I think it'll come across a bit silly the second time as well. But I think Tom Brady is looking to show off a little bit more of his personality now that he's out of New England. And Peyton, we know, has a giant personality. So having these two involved, knowing that they're both pretty competitive, I think it'll be fun. And I can't wait until I get the angry text from Chris Frelot about how I just crapped all over the Fast and Furious franchise. Like, I literally cannot wait for that text. Uh, let's see. What else do we got here? I think we're about done. We'll go get ready for the NFL draft. One more quick note. Uh, one of my favorite names in all of sports called it a career yesterday after 33 seasons on the Notre Dame sidelines. Um, Muffet McGraw. She has a win percentage of 762, 936 wins. Uh, 848 of those at Notre Dame. She was the three-time National Coach of the Year, uh, two-time NCAA champion, including uh, back in 2018. Uh, she was inducted into the Hall of Fame, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 2017. So Muffet McGraw calls it a career yesterday. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, as always, appreciate you for downloading, subscribing, and listening through this pandemic. Appreciate you listening uh, and sharing with all of your friends, doing all that good stuff. Hope we could provide you uh, 45 minutes of chill time away from all of the nonsense, man. So keep listening. We'll keep being here. We'll be back. We'll talk about what happened in the first round of the NFL draft uh, tomorrow. We'll get you ready for the second round and all of that great stuff. Have a great rest of your day. Be safe, and we'll be back here tomorrow on the podcast.